You're listening to the 515 Podcast, led by Pastor John Wayne McMahon with Kingwood United Methodist Church in Kingwood, Texas. Thanks for downloading. Hi there, folks. Welcome to episode 71 of the 515 Podcast. Thanks, John. That really that nodding is really reassuring. Yes. It's helping me get there. Nailed it. We it are, take 72. Take 72. It's Jason. not. It's only not cool. <laughs> um, we are back again together. Um, and now I'm regretting it immediately. Where's Clint? Yeah, that's messed up. <laughs> now, Jolene, welcome uh, back. How was your, well, I know the answer to this question. Why don't you give me an update about <laughs> why it's been a while since we've last seen each other? Yeah, thanks, Jason. Happy to be here. Happy to be back with you. Um, yeah, so most of y'all would know, <coughs> excuse me, most of y'all should know by now if you follow on social media or were around the church the last couple of weeks that uh, almost two weeks ago, um, picking up my son from school, we noticed something was slightly off about his breathing. Um, and so uh, a little weird. So I took him to Lauren's work. And, and from there, we headed to a pediatrician. And from there, we headed to the Woodlands, to Texas Children. Um, and eventually, uh, he got very, very, very sick, like um, very sick, dangerous, dangerous mm-hmm. sick, um, to find out that his glucose levels were out of this world, like wouldn't even read on the meter. He had something called DKA, which is diabetic ketoacidosis, which means um, essentially when your body can't get energy from glucose uh, because it's not producing insulin, as in diabetics, Mm -hmm. um, then your body needs energy and it gets energy from fat cells. And when it gets energy from fat cells, uh, that produces carbon dioxide in your body. And so his abnormal breathing was because his body was trying to get rid of the carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. So he had very high levels of carbon dioxide. He was was toxic essentially. And so um, all of this to find out that our nine month old baby has type one diabetes. Mm. Uh, which is crazy and very rare uh, and an, uh, obviously an incredible shock to us. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we were happy that his health came around that night and we were able to stabilize him. And now he's just as happy as can be. As a matter of fact, he has probably more energy now. And wow. to have a little awesome. time with mom and dad at home, he was happy <laughs> with that and yeah. things like that. So things with Lauren and I, you know, I've tried to, to be very honest about not whitewashing this. This is parts of this have been really hard mm-hmm. um it i mean it's it's a new ball game for us financially lauren's work mm-hmm. um what does my work look like how do we balance all of this what does treatment look like um how do we advocate fight for and care for our kid in the best way um you know over the first first 10 days we're scared to go to sleep uh and trust his values his his blood sugar readings are where they should be and all those things have been hard but um i've also been very quick quick to share that god has been so present and i'm not just saying that because we're on some christian podcast Mm -hmm. Uh, he's shown up in so many ways to to the point that um numerous times my wife and i have wept over God's provision, over his reminder of his presence, over the way he's cared for us and brought the right doctors and and the right medicine and all of those things, the right community to surround us in in some amazing ways. And so um, my, my theme right now is hope. Um, It's just what is my poster, you know, it's my banner that I'm flying over my family. And I really think that um, hope is, is something we practice and hope is not without 
uh, fear, doubt, anxiety, but hope kind of kind of transforms that into something. And I think hope is a power, and and hope is something that um, sometimes it doesn't look like the poster version of it when when you if you were to look at me for example in a in a snapshot um but hopefully over a spectrum you'll see uh that that in the midst of really crazy circumstances that i'm holding on to something that can't be taken away and that's a trust in in the lord and so um that's what we're that's what we're we're learning about a lot and wrestling with and asking questions and you know, it's it's a tough road, but anyways, he he even came to staff meeting today, and, and uh, could, Luke is Luke is doing great. That's awesome. Yeah, could, he looks. Could awesome. you imagine? I know the answer to this question. Could you imagine doing this without the support and the community? Not a chance, right? Nah, yeah, not not a chance. Like again, like I don't, I, I'm about to get emotional just thinking yeah. about it. Like it's just been unbelievable. Like it's just it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's been transformative for us. It's yeah. been a reminder of God's presence, and um, the body of Christ has just been incredible. And pride gets in the way, and mm-hmm. it's hard for us to let people help. Um, but it's made all the difference in, in this season. And so, yeah, yeah. it's been it's been a wild well, ride. Definitely uh, glad you're you know back yeah. in the saddle again, yeah. and, and um, you know back at work, and we're back here right. recording this again. I think yeah. it's so it's so important. Um, definitely was glad that Clint was able to step in yeah, last big, week, both for big the shout out to Clint, yeah. you know, and just, it was, for me, it was a good experience, you know, recording with him, but I got uh, to listen to the podcast for both of them, um, both a sermon mm-hmm. and, and parts of the five fifteen and yeah. stuff when we were, I think driving to an appointment or home from sure. an appointment or something. And so just thankful for, for you, Jason, but, um, especially for Clint yeah. to step in. He preached on like a 48 hour notice or something. Mm-hmm. So just thankful that he did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so let's pick up again with Joseph. Yeah, it's been it's it feels like it's been a while, but it's only been a few days yeah. since we've talked about him. But he's been through an incredible amount of stuff. So yeah. through this whole story, you want to give us kind of just a really quick mm-hmm. uh, get us caught up with where we're what we're uh, where Joseph's been. Um, you don't have to tell us where he's going if you don't want to spoil the story. But <laughs> give us a spoiler alert. It's been written for a long time. Oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta read that. Um, um, but yeah, because I really want to talk about where yeah. this story is this week. So let's get caught up. Yeah, I mean Jacob's family, as I said, Sunday is the pretty much the most jacked up family you've ever seen, and we've gone through all of the dynamics of that. So jacked up, it makes your family look like the Cleavers. Yeah. Nobody got that. I did. And I'm glad. I saw a couple people kind of nod silently to themselves. Because I'm here. pretty young in the room. And so if I reference something. Cleavers are pretty universally understood to you be. You would think so. Yeah, like your feel good. Because they've been re, no problem. redone so many times. Anyway, so oh, okay. sure. So <laughs> a messed up family. Jacob's family is so messed up. And so um, with all the spiritual baggage, all the damage that's happened with all of that, the brothers sell the brat Joseph into slavery, mm-hmm. goes to Egypt. In Egypt, uh, Joseph um, is kind of elevated. And then he's betrayed by Potiphar's wife, accused of sexual misconduct, thrown in prison. He's kind of elevated again uh, it, through faithfulness and service. And then he gets betrayed again and he's left in prison for longer and then he finally comes out and everything goes really well he's he is uh um 
elevated to as high as you can. Really, basically, almost the most powerful person yeah. in the world. Just right under Pharaoh. Yeah, right under Pharaoh. Yeah, and so um, just a crazy. And so Clint talked about that a little bit mm-hmm. about um, gratitude when everything's going well and things like that, which is an interesting story for us to preach on because. Just before that, Joseph just lived a whole lifetime of crap. Yeah, right. <laughs> so now we're saying, hopefully, hopefully he doesn't struggle with gratitude. But anyways, yes. it, it is what it is. Um, and an important theme for us to talk about. For sure. And then uh, this week, we really looked at the part of the story where um, all of these dynamics seem to come begin to crash into each other. And so the rest of Joseph's story is about the brothers and Jacob and about this reunion and um, how this is all going to go down. And so what we read and studied a little bit this past time was that uh, uh, the brothers are facing a famine. Jacob's whole family's mm-hmm. facing a famine. Sends the brothers over to Egypt. That's the one place that prepared and knew the famine was coming because Joseph knew and Joseph prepared. Yeah. So they go uh, to Egypt to gain grain and in Genesis 42, they meet Joseph not knowing it's Joseph. Joseph probably looks Egyptian and is speaking through an interpreter mm-hmm. and all of these different things. And so, um, you know, he kind of, but he recognizes them and he goes through, and it's been 20 years. I mean, they haven't seen him a long time. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah and sure. so, and so he just kind of strings him along. Like he, he's, he's not going to unveil himself right away. So the point of, of what we wrestle with this time is the fact that the brothers have to go where they don't want to go. And Joseph is actually flourishing, um, in this season of life because he was faithful in all of the pain and he found healing and we're kind of reading between the lines mm-hmm. here, but oh, sure. we're, we're suggesting that God did some mighty things in Joseph's heart so that in this season of life, he could he could be where he's at. So One, one of the things that, that I really loved hearing the story Sunday was the fact that Jacob was like, you know, tell the guys you got to go to Egypt. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. And he's like, no, why are you still here? Yeah. Well, are, what are you yeah. doing? We're starving. You know, you got to go now. And they're like, oh, you meant today, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, like the very first line of Genesis like, 42, he, Jacob's like, why are you still sitting here and looking at each other? Yeah. Like, go to Egypt and get food. There's food there. <laughs> and that's like almost the literal translation. Like, that's what's yeah. happening right there. So, yeah, you, it's ironic. I know. And you've got to, I just, I was putting myself in, like, what are these guys Thinking, they're like, yeah. oh my gosh, they know it's in Egypt. Yeah, they know. Like, we, wait, didn't we sell? Yeah, some guy. Did, oh, it's our brother. Yeah, yeah. Even even the slowest brother, the, he would know. Yeah, he, he would, would go. That. We oh, wait. There's food. We have no food. Okay. There's food where in Egypt. Okay, and you want us to go there? But yeah. I'm sure we're not going to run into him. Yeah, we won't see him. Yeah, right. We, yeah. Right. And then the but, one place. But what that, if we do? That's what they're thinking. Like, what if we do? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like. The yeah. last thing that they wanted to do, they were dragged, literally dragging their feet about. Yeah, that, I mean, you know? so and and there's there's really some symbolism behind that. I mean, Egypt is probably the word they never even mentioned mm-hmm. uh, in in passing. They their whole life they're trying to forget what's in Egypt or who's in Egypt. Um, they're trying to forget the the grief, um, the shame. The guilt. Oh, yeah. They're trying to forget that they actually almost killed their brother and sold him off. It's one of the things broke they would, their father's heart. They would never 
ad- mention it amongst themselves and they would never admit it to yeah. their father. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like, if we just don't talk about this, this right. will go away and we won't ever. And so think about the weight that they're carrying because of that. Right. Certainly, yeah. Like, have you ever, I mean, have you ever carried something like that or known someone or like something known someone that maybe faced like abuse as a child or, and, and just like all of a sudden that resurfaces mm-hmm. later on. That's a heavy weight. And so what they're going to have to do is go right into the face of it uh, in order to find some healing. And that's not it's not going to be fun. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what's being teased out here. Yeah. So we talked a lot about how um, they were in a a literal famine. Mm -hmm. You know, they were starving. They didn't have enough food and they needed to go get some from wherever they could. Um, But we also talked about a spiritual famine, you know, Um, what. What does that look like? What are some yeah. indicators that you, um, you know, maybe you're going through a spiritual famine right now? And where his brother was, his Joseph's family is yeah. that where they're at as well? Yeah, you know? yeah. So I, I, you know, you can look at many different stories in the Bible and look at these kind of famines. If famine in general is just lacking, like just being without, without. Uh, yeah. something that's needed or um, just a shortage of, of something famine um, literally not having enough food or like uh, or or uh, to drink or water or anything mm-hmm. like that and so a shortage but there's all kinds of shortages that are in these Bible stories or these going without or these lacking and so I, I didn't have time and I won't do it now but you can go through these stories and you can just kind of mark some of the characteristics they all kind of share those things the literal famine there's dryness and barrenness these circumstances that just are without life. They don't feel like they have life or a pulse. Mm. And so there's these just, it could be relationships or people. It could be a community. It could be the whole nation that just doesn't feel like there's much of a pulse there. And they're marked by these things, apathy sometimes, desperation, um, idol worship. Uh, And so like one of the things I talked about was the famine of uh, when Moses is up at a Mount Sinai and he takes too long, I guess. And when he comes down, exactly the right. rest <laughs> of the Israelites are like forming another God that they're going to worship. Yeah. And they begin to worship other things. And so they begin to give themselves over to over th- other things in famine. When there's lacking, we try and fill ourselves with whatever is around us, right? Um, complaining. Again, the Israelites, they leave Egypt. They're rescued out of slavery la- uh, later on with Moses. Mm-hmm. And when they're rescued, they're sent out into the wilderness. They haven't been there very long and they start to complain about manna. They're saying, hey, Moses, we got steak and potatoes over here. We got stew or whatever. Yeah. Uh, can't we go back over there? You rescue us and yet we're eating this this kind of garbage. And you want to be like, come on, guys. Like you were in slave labor. Like yeah. I mean, you were in slave labor. You were like you spent your whole life from sun up to sundown doing something that someone else told you until you died. And now there's freedom and God has given you a promise, but you're worried about your food. Yeah. And so there's complaining and famine. There's self-centeredness. Only worried about yourself. Even in the circumstances that have been created 
upon you that are outside of your control, if all you think about is yourself, Mm -hmm. you're outside of what Jesus is talking about in, in his message to the world. You're not considering, or if you're not even considering what God may be changing in you, but you're always only worried about, oh, how I'm be affected by these circumstances, then you're probably in famine. Um, choosing wants over needs. That's kind of that self-satisfying, self-medicating sure, yeah. kind of uh-huh. thing, right? Someone who's, you know, I've seen addiction in my family and in, in other families and um or if you've ever seen anybody that has like a gambling debt, this mm-hmm. is a great one that has a gambling addiction, man, they will spend all of their money on bills yeah. on gambling because they're addicted to it. So we're choosing what we want over our needs. We're, we're choosing these things because we are lacking in other places. So we're trying to feed it with something else. Laziness and, and, and again, apathy is one that uh, fits this description of famine. And so I, I think, and I joked about it Sunday, but I, you know, I said, if you're feeling conviction right now here, that list um, I'm just listing what I think we see in famines in the Bible but they could be translated to your circumstances yeah. and, and it could be an indicator that you're in famine that you're experiencing some kind of famine and maybe that famine is the word of God I quoted Amos uh, the prophet that says there will come a day when the shortage is not about food and water but the shortage is the word of the Lord and people will go from east to west and they won't be able to find the word of the Lord and I just wonder how many people might be experiencing famine and they're either apathetic or they're just sitting in it, mm-hmm. or they're just complaining about it, or they're so overwhelmed with the circumstances around them that they're not picking them their eyes off of the circumstances to the God who wants you to flourish in the middle of those famines. Yeah. So, so that's that's kind of the push of what we're talking about. Yeah, for sure. You know, they're just too quick to say, you know, oh, this this is just too much. I would just just assume, you know. Back to the Israelites, and, and the first thing they say is, "Man, this really sucks." If we were only we were just back in in Egypt, we had, you know, we had everything. It sucked, but we yeah. had at least we had stuff. You yeah. Know? And how quickly are we? Uh, any kind of adversity pops up, um, just oh, if I could just you know be mm-hmm. be done with this and just go back to my yeah. old way of life, you know, without realizing all of the things yeah. that have changed for the better in your life or that where you are in your relationship with God and with others, you know? Yeah, there's something, well, there's something in famine that convinces us that nothing can be done. There you go, yeah. There, it really is, mm-hmm. and I think, I mean, it depends on who you talk to, but it could be it could be evil influence that convinces mm-hmm. you you can't do anything. Um, but I, I don't know what it is, but, but there's something about famine where we become paralyzed like the person wandering in the desert that just wants to lay down and 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 doesn't want to keep walking and so like uh, you know in relation to that like in what the brothers are talking about they're paralyzed by their pain uh, when they're in Canaan and they know that they can go to Egypt and get food but they won't go there and they're paralyzed by it and and maybe the the message in this is that you just have to go yeah Maybe you have to face what's in Egypt. Uh, maybe that's pain and hard or something difficult that's been caused to you, but there's healing there. There's grace there that God desires for you to flourish. God desires for you to know more of him. God desires for you to learn in this season that you're in. God desires for you to have peace even in uh 
even when you're surrounded by circumstances that are difficult and hard, uh, God may not, and we use this cliche, but he may not pick up your boat, disciples, and yeah. move you straight out of the s- storm. Mm-hmm. That may not be the process, uh, but he doesn't want you to feel isolated and alone. And he wants you to know peace. And, and sometimes we've got to do things. We just got to move. And so there, there's kind of a rub there, right? I yeah. mean, that, that, that's hard for us to differentiate. I mean, it's so, it's so easy when you're in those times of famine and just like, oh, completely the burden is pressing down, the pressure is pushing down on you, that you're just you know paralyzed with what do I do? I, there's nothing I can do. I, just, I can just resign myself to just sit here and wait for whatever. Wait for God to fix this, right? Yeah. And I mean, we hear a lot of times people say, hey, wait and trust in the Lord. Yeah, yeah. You, the psalmist says, I, the, you know, right? wait on the Lord. So, what we have, wait a minute, we can't do both. Yeah, what, do we, we, need, do? we need to balance. Mm-hmm. What, what does that look like? I mean, what well, I actually think waiting on the Lord is not sitting on your rear end and asking for a, um, a billboard. Like, if God is always a God that's speaking, and if God is always a God that is active and present in our lives, then maybe the way that you're looking for Him to talk is just wrong, mm-hmm. or maybe your expectations are not what he wants to do in your life maybe he wants to do something different but you just got to do something you got you've got to move and i've seen this with young people like one of the things with young people is people that like college age and these are the people that really care about the lord and are trying to figure out what to do with their lives the one of the most paralyzing things is they they, they say i'm just i just don't know what god's purpose is for my life Oh, okay. Uh, I'm still figuring out what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, even as someone <laughs> yeah. who has chosen a career path and things like that, um, but you've got to you've got to do that. You've got to do something. You've got to step out in faith. You've got to keep walking in the famine. You've got to ask Lord the Lord to reveal Himself um, and and keep looking for the ways that He's already revealing Himself um, to you in in that season. But you, ha- I think, I just really think you have to do something. Like, here's an easy example. If you're in financial crisis, I did this in college. I joked about it Sunday. Yeah. I would just not open my bills, right? <laughs> like, uh, I was in debt up to my eyeballs. I knew people were after me for money. I just wouldn't open yeah. my mail. And that's, what good is that? Yeah. Now, listen, in opening my mail, I was not all of a sudden going to have money to be able to pay for it, right? Really? I had to start working and sacrificing and learning about stewardship and what God was going to do in my life. And so whatever famine you're in right now, why don't you start to consider what is the heart of God in the middle of famine, in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the season of trial and difficulty, and start to consider, A, who God is. Because when we get overwhelmed by our circumstances, we're not talking about God anymore. We're just telling God about all the garbage that is around us. Mm-hmm. Instead of meditating and worshiping and taking in who God is and learning more about him and growing in the depth of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, as Paul talks about, um, as we focus on him and as we begin to ask questions that are hard, like, what am I supposed to learn right now in this famine? What's what's wrong in me or what is God trying to transform in my heart in this season? Those are the kind of questions that I think more align with what God is doing. God wants to do through Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's super tough. So that's, that's definitely kind of going through that 
um, that spiritual um, growth. Yeah. You know, because yeah. obviously when you, you know, when you're, you're young in your faith is what I'm trying to say. Yeah it's really hard to to step back and say okay what is what am i supposed to what should i be learning during this time it's you know it's hey god there's no food out here this sucks (laughs) well i mean one one of the things we talk about in marital counseling and i may have brought this up here but so stop me if i if i have but we talk about stressors in Mm. marital counseling Mm -hmm. and there's four boxes okay and the first box is the highest priority stressors in our life okay and in that box it's the highest priority stressors in our life and the things that we can change okay so the highest priority and things we can't we can change change let's change them because they're high priority let's Mm -hmm. do something about them Mm -hmm. right i can't pay my bills i need to get a job yeah it's really high level because i literally could be homeless (laughs) um but i can do something i can get a job Mm -hmm. and i can start doing something the box just next to it is high level uh, stressors i can't do anything about it okay and i really feel like that is a point of transformation yeah that's a place where god is asking you to cope or change or to grow in your understanding of what is around you. And then the bottom level is low level stressors mm-hmm. and things you can do. Mm-hmm. So like low level stressors, like, oh, my my uh, laundry is always such a mess. Man, freaking go fold your clothes <laughs> and quit letting it stress you out. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, don't I look in your room. I, I was like, <laughs> well, I was thinking around. <laughs> or, or the other box is low level and things I can't change. Yeah. And that box is what do I need to let go? What am I so overwhelmed by this little thing, Mm -hmm. this petty relationship in my life? Why do I let Susie tick me off so much? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't work with a Susie uh, or know a Susie, I think. But it's good. So that was a made up fictional character. But does that make sense? That's like that whole the story about the what the big rocks in the sand. You know, yeah. it's like don't get consumed by just that sand. It's just sand. You know, it's the, worry about the big things again. The things that are within your power and the things that are important. Yeah, more, actually, the more that that you should be focused on that attention. Yeah, I'm not trying to illegitimize like your stressors or pain or difficulty. What I'm saying is maybe like the brothers, you have to walk straight into Egypt and you have to face it, and that's where you're going to find healing. It's going to be hurtful. Yeah. It's going to take some time. It's going to be difficult. Or maybe you're like Joseph and something terrible has been done to you or the circumstances are really bad and God's going to shape you and form you and transform your heart so that when um, other things come up, you have been so formed in the fire of life Mm -hmm. uh, that now you know a hope and a peace and a love uh, that is just going to be exactly what you need for that season. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you got to do something. Waiting on the Lord is not completely passive waiting on the lord is is working is is answering a calling is moving but also waiting for god to to show up to bless or i hate using that word yeah. to to reveal himself in, in those areas i keep thinking of that joke that my my granddaddy the methodist minister told probably in a sermon probably just to me directly i don't remember about the guy is flooding and you know he's a, a guy in a paddle boat comes up says hey hop in let me take you. he's like no the, the lord will provide i'll just wait here you know mm-hmm. and then as he leaves and then the guy comes in a in a, a big fan boat because the water's getting higher and higher and then a, a coast guard helicopter comes like come on let's go he's like no god will provide i'm fine and then he floods and goes to heaven and he says where were you god i was waiting for you he's like i sent you two boats in a helicopter what do you <laughs> yeah that's exactly right i love it you're right that's exactly right um 
So here's a crazy question that we were talking about before this whole thing started. I was like, oh, surely we're not going to talk about this on the podcast. Yeah, but I put it in the notes. You put it in the show notes. So let's do it. Um, What if, besides just, you know, our own individual, but let's go back into a bigger community. What if the, the church itself, lowercase c... Big, big C. Big C, thank you. I'm not good with spelling. No, you're fine. Um, is it possible that we can go through a spiritual family, famine yeah, today? I, is that something that I think a lot of I think a lot of Christian authors and scholars would say that the church, uh, the Big C church in, in North America is mm-hmm. definitely in a spiritual famine. I mean, we mm-hmm. could measure that in many different ways. We could we could go on that conversation for a long time, but sure. let me just let me just come down to this truth. Okay. I think the power of God, not completely. Don't hear me. If you're listening to this and you're at KUMC or you're at First United Methodist Beaumont or wherever you people are that listen to our podcast, yeah. um, I'm not I'm not trying to say that God is completely absent from your church, but I I believe that the power of God, uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is largely absent from a lot of our churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I think that the Holy Spirit is is just something that we just don't know how to talk about, and and the person of the Holy Spirit is one that's promised and guaranteed uh, to the sons and daughters of God and is a continuation. Um, He's going to lead us in continuation of the mission of God. And I just, I feel like we're just building buildings largely. We're just building buildings and we're wondering why we're declining. Mm. Um, And and let me give you one indicator. Here's a a real practical example. We've started these small groups at uh, KMC, and mm-hmm. if you've been listening to this and you haven't heard about these, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if how you're listening, um, but they're called more life groups, and what they are, they're based on Wesleyan class meetings. I won't go into the history of that, um, but they're they're small groups that are not based on curriculum, but they're based on questions. Here's the main question, but questions like this: How is it with your soul? How is your yeah. life in God over the last couple of days? And when I ask this question to new people as they come into the groups mm-hmm. it is impossible for them to talk about <laughs> it why is it because we have no vocabulary we have not been formed in this way we have no idea how to talk about our life in god you yeah. know why because i don't think we think about it i don't think we actually like care about it that much mm-hmm. i think we're in a famine and we're apathetic sometimes we're just complaining about god where's where are you in this and where are you in that and i think largely we are missing what is promised in the new testament what is promised by god through the outpouring of the holy spirit and we're missing god um in some major ways we miss god when he's absent yeah. in, in our mind, yeah. but we don't see him when he's there. Yeah, it's we exactly right. We're not right. formed around this. We mm-hmm. haven't we haven't spent any, We, if you were to put a pie chart of your time uh, and the way that you're living <laughs> yeah. your life, I wonder how big would the pieces be of you pressing in mm-hmm. to God? Mm-hmm. And, and like, we don't want to say that out loud, but I'm just, and the reason why I'm getting louder and louder is because I'm a loud person, <laughs> but I'm just very passionate about this because I believe this is the place I came from yeah. and I'm coming from. Let mm-hmm. me put it that way. Mm-hmm. Just out of apathy, out of spiritual famine, out of a place of just being complacent and not trusting that God could truly heal sin and truly change lives and truly break systemic evil in our world like 
I just think that we are given in to status quo, that we are going to ride the roller coaster of politics, that we are just going to go on and on in this world if we do not realize that we're in famine and yeah. wake up yeah. and wake up. And that starts local. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm so excited about these small groups, because it's the beginning of people taking off mass and sharing with other people what it is to walk with the Lord from day to day and to know him, to truly know him. I've seen people in those in these groups who don't know how to answer that question. Mm -hmm. Where have you seen God this week? And then I've seen them over time just transform like at some point it clicks and they get it or when you're not even expecting you're like oh well here's this person and then they they say the most profound thing and it's like they literally had an experience where they witnessed firsthand you know the holy spirit coming through their lives yeah and like jumped on that train like hey yeah i want more of that yeah and so your wife your wife recommended this book to me from a guy that taught at asbury and i I knew him but i didn't know about this book and Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I won't go into too many details, but he lays out this case that I think is, is you know, for so long in North America, we've been doing friendship evangelism. We've been doing this, just invite a friend to church. Mm. Um, this okay. is, and, and you know what, if I'm just, if I'm a really good neighbor, <laughs> if, I, if I mow my yard and if yeah. I bake cookies for my neighbor every now and then, if I... You know, when they're when they're down on their luck, if I'm there, then then hopefully after seven invites, they'll come to church with me. You know, like yeah. And that model is actually if that's if that's our major model, um, the the numbers are staggering. The church is in decline; mm-hmm. it's not working. But what what this author did was laid this over the Bible, and you don't see friendship evangelism talked about by the New Testament uh, authors. As a matter of fact, you don't see the church growing because people were just really good. You can see a couple of cases. I think Acts chapter 2 is one, but that's on the heels of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Mm, right. And so Acts chapter 2, when they're they're selling possessions and, and, and then people are out of their numbers, yeah, I see that. And But but I, but largely what, what this author, Elliot, Steve Elliot, argues is that actually evangelism is done by miracles. When Jesus walks into a place or when one of the apostles walked into the place, like they they are healing people. Like there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit where someone who's never walked before gets up and walk and then people come and listen. Yeah. These are crowds that half the people wanted to kill Jesus. They <laughs> yeah. wanted to kill him. Uh-huh for most of his ministry, but it is in his healings and in the in the miracles that take place that people come to hear and to listen and to see. And I just think for too long, we've been trying to get joy jumps and trunk or treats and things mm-hmm. together in this friendship evangelism, if we could just get the right programming together and none of us are seeking the Holy Spirit, um, opening ourselves up to this. And so I just, I don't know what that looks like fully. I'm just saying, I'm just speaking out loud, probably yeah. getting myself in trouble. And <laughs> anyways, my voice is dying. What do you think? I, say, I hear that. What do you think about Hey, that? I think, uh, you know, something there, right? And there's something sure. there. It feels like there's something there. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, you came back with guns a blazing after this past uh, week, so. Well, this is personal to me because, and and I said this well, Sunday, I'll I mean, say it now. Uh-huh. If if I if I hadn't if the Lord hadn't transformed my heart in spiritual famine, mm-hmm. I would not been ready for what we just endured. There, there's just would we have gotten through it? Maybe. Yeah. Yes, we would have gotten through it. Yeah. But would my marriage be where it is right now? Mm-hmm. Not a chance. No. There's no way. Would I be confident in the way that I am? 
in God's provision, in the way that he, what st- would I have peace in my spirit right now with mm-hmm. a nine month old type one diabetic? And, and listen, I know there are people listening like, Hey, I, like it, things will get better. Like I understand, I understand they will. Yeah. And technology is incredible. And like, thank you for all of that. And everyone that has these experiences and that what I'm telling you right now is there is a supernatural peace in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not just practicality. It is because I truly believe that the God that has created everything loves me and loves my family in a way that he's poured in my heart mm-hmm. and he's prepared us for this season that we're in. Yeah. I believe that. And he's poured into other people's hearts yeah. to then extend yeah, to that to give us that support and community Definitely. in that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All, All right. right. That's a good place to end it this Next week, week we're talking about Joseph himself yeah and then the next week joseph again and then the no i think actually this week is more about jacob oh okay yeah i won't i won't be with it with the vine this week chris right. chris harrison's preaching okay well that's good yeah exci- what are you doing i'm really excited to Sanctuary? have her. i was i was supposed to be in mexico for a mission trip oh okay um i was released from those obligations yeah. um so i was off and so i'm gonna spend that with my wife and okay. kid we're gonna we're gonna maybe be inconspicuous and go worship somewhere else or watch worship on TV or something. Okay. Well, we'll see what that yeah. looks like. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. So anyways, praying for everybody. Um, good to be back. Thank you for all of you that have been praying for my family. Um, don't feel like you're not. If, if some people feel like if they're only praying and they haven't provided a meal or something, oh, they're right. not doing enough. <laughs> right. And prayers are so invaluable. And that is a lie to think that prayers aren't significant yeah. because they, they, they really are and they've strengthened us in many ways. That's good. Okay. Love all you right. all. Thank you all so much. Talk to you later. Bye.